Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We are on episode 108. I'm Josh Roop. With me, my co-captain, as always. Scott Larson. I almost blanked on our intro. How do I do? We've done 108 episodes, and I've almost blanked on how to do almost that. Almost blanked. It's all good. It's all good. Holy crap. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the magic of Foo Fighters. And uh, Scott, I know you ordered one, right? I did. I ordered a premium, and I ordered that through Zach and Nicole Mini at Flipping Out Pinball. Uh, they've always been really good, and I am super excited because I ordered the Rush Shooter Rod that glows, which is the Starman from 2112, which is awesome. And I also got the, or at least I I placed an interest in getting the topper. So I'll have the gears grinding away, and hopefully the cats won't jump up there and get smushed a little bit because they love <laughs> walking around on the toppers. But yeah, uh, contact Zach and Nicole. They've always been really great to work with. And uh, yeah, for all your pinball needs, you know it. And I got a pro on the way too, and it should be here in like two months. Oh yeah, you're probably going to get yours sooner than mine. So oh yeah, mine was supposed to be in June. Uh, the production schedule got pushed back just a little bit by two mm-hmm. weeks, but uh, it sounds like we're looking still the beginning of June. So yeah, I, I'm still I stuck happy. to the gills, so I may I, I'm okay with waiting a little bit. <laughs> but enough of us talking about flipping out. We have a special guest on tonight. The man that goes by number one, formerly number one in our hearts. <laughs> no, he is currently number one in our hearts. Is he currently number one in our hearts? Well, he he's number one in my heart. He's killing it with Foo Fighters code. He's killing it with Pin Clash. He's just he's just killing it. So, if you want to, uh, all welcome. We've got Mr. Raymond Davidson with us. Woo! Hello. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> See, I, I like having Ray on because he actually has a black rose also, and he loves black rose like I do. Yes. So uh, we can always talk about all the magic of black rose and the the depth of the code of black rose, which is non-existent. <laughs> hey, I was actually just going to say, it's actually much deeper than people know. Uh, there's actually... Well, okay. That was one of the first games where I actually went online and read this rule sheet. It was pretty long, and it details the like seven different canon awards the multi balls, the hidden treasure, you know, there's the jackpot. There, there's actually a lot more in there than you than you think. And uh, I don't know, I, I have a soft spot for it, especially for a 1992 game. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. is exceptionally de- deep for something that was intended to be on location and really a coin drop game. Like, yeah, no fun, one... fun fact: Brian Eddy did the the software on it. So, oh, I didn't really? know that. Yes, yeah, uh, currently at Stern Pinball. So. Uh, Oh, uh, over lunch, you know, me and him would talk and 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 talk about, you know, and I loved your work on Black Rose. Kind of, kind of hit him like, you know, blindsided him, and he's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay, hilarious because so- he probably doesn't get that very often. It's like, I love your medieval madness. I love your attack from Mars, mm-hmm. and it's you know, he gets the occasional sh- shadow, but I, I highly doubt he gets Black well, Rose. That, I mean, that's the playfield design, though. So true. What, what you're saying is he did the rules for it. Yes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a, that's a different thing. Now the, the, the thing that I love talking about with you, Raymond, is that you have such enthusiasm for rules that I, I am still on the, uh, on, on the pro level. I'm not on the premium or, or LE level of understanding code. Uh, <laughs> but every time I talk to you, I was like, I don't understand what this thing is doing. And, I, and I'll text you occasionally. I'm like, can you explain this to me a little bit? And he's like, oh yeah, it's this. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you do this, 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 you can do that, that, that. Simple. Yeah. Simple. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cascading effect, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny. Cause like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm hard up for cash. And you know, sometimes 
budgets are a little tight, but if you want to, you could go the Raymond route. It sounds like you won your Foo Fighters recently, right? You got to tell us about this. Yeah, yeah. The uh, North American Pinball Championships, uh, otherwise known as Nationals, happened at the District 82 in, in De Pere uh, a few months ago. And I took it from Escher. Me and him battled in the finals. Yeah, he, he had a couple of rough games, but you know, sometimes you just got to do a little bit better <laughs> than your opponent. And I, I managed to hang in there, and I, I got, I won it. So I won a uh, Stern Pro of my choice, and I chose Foo Fighters. Nice. No bias at all, right? You're like, this game's probably the like number one game. It's, it's gonna battle out Godzilla for the top spot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least, at least rules wise, right? <laughs> so, so Ray, when did you get pulled in on the rules uh, on this game? And uh, walk me through uh, how you're going to approach a rule set and story, you know, incorporating storyline, incorporating songs. How does that all work in your mind? Yeah, I think I uh, basically just rolled right off of Rush, right on to Foo Fighters, and. Basically, the outline was kind of made of like, these are the modes. We kind of have an idea of, of what to do with, uh, the, but nothing set in stone, really. And then like the Overlord's going to have something there. He has three different songs. Uh, so he's going to do something there. Uh, you know, Area 51, a multiball, uh, the wizard mode. So all that was kind of already all laid out. And I just had to go and kind of fill in the gaps and actually, you know, implement all the different features. Um, kind of like how it was when I joined Rush and when I joined Zeppelin where there's an outline and I just go and, and just, you know, fill in all the details. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, Rush, Zeppelin, Avengers, you've got your name attached to those four games. You have not worked for a consistent designer yet. You've been bouncing around. How was this process working with Jack Danger versus richie or borg or even ellen yeah it's been really fun working with jack he's really easy to just uh message and he'll also you know message me and and tanyo will join in we'll have little mini meetings of you know hey i was thinking this could be cool you know that sort of thing when we have kind of like a problem that we need to solve we just all huddle and we all throw our ideas out you know i'll throw my ideas jack for his tanya will kind of you know, wrangle them all together and maybe add one of his ideas and, and we all just kind of blend together. And that's, it kind of shows in the game because you see a very approachable game with some nuances, but not all the sophisticated complications thrown at you all up front. You kind of have to dive into it. And if you don't know any of that stuff, it doesn't really matter. You're still beating cities you know, uh, starting multi-balls, getting FUBOT parts, whether you know how you got them or not, you're, you're getting them. So that's exciting. And, and the game just kind of all flows together really well in a good package. So when you were approaching code, there is the danger of the, uh, you know, it's been described as chopping wood. It's like, it's not really interesting. You just keep doing the same thing and you slowly get more and more points, but it's in a very methodical way. How do you avoid that sort of approach to a rule set and make it exciting so you can blow it up. Yeah, I'm always looking to avoid any sort of, you know, exploits that would be boring 
Like you never want the thing you should do to be the thing you don't want to do, right? If those two are in opposition with each other, uh, your game's not going to have as much legs to stand on. Uh, you know, you're not going to be coming back to it as much. So, you know, things like examples in Foo are the modes you have to beat them to qualify the wizard modes because I didn't want people just shooting a shot and then trapping up and waiting for the timer to go down and then Mm -hmm. go on to the next mode and wait for the timer to go down. But that led to some conflicts of, well, the modes, you know, they're kind of hard to beat. You know, how long should they be? You know, we want people to be able to, to experience everything. So we ended up coming with uh, up with a nice uh, compromise of your first mode, you're going to get five shots spotted, and then your second mode, you're going to get four shots spotted, and then three shots. So, so someone who you know plays a mode, the first mode they play, that you can probably beat that mode. You know, you might you might not get it your first try, but the modes all carry their progress as well. So you can you can just go right back in, and that was kind of a cool thing too. Is it was challenging to build a rule set around a game where you can pick your modes. Uh, I know Avengers does that, and it's it's very challenging because you have to make sure there's not just one mode everyone's always going to want to pick. So to kind of counteract that, I like to have the modes have different pros and cons depending on what game state you're in. Uh, so if you have a bunch of shot multipliers, this mode might be good, or if you are about to start a multi-ball, this might, mode might be good, or if you have nothing lit, and your multiballs are miles away, this might be the right mode for that. So that's kind of kind of what you have to aim for and, and balance when you're designing the rules for the modes. Now, with Insider Connected, do you get audits back for how many like modes are, are started and how many modes are completed? And like I guess what information do you get back? Because I could imagine that being amazingly valuable for you as the designer to say, oh, well, that mode is being played way differently than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I definitely I definitely watch a lot of streams to make sure, um, you know, there's nothing out of whack. And if you just look on the game, there's a, you can view audits. And so anything you can view in the game audits is something that, you know, might get dumped after a show. And we can look at, at what everybody did. It's like, oh, nobody in the entire show started this mode. Uh, you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's too hard. You know, that sort of thing. And then a, another valuable uh, thing is achievements. You know, if there's an achievement nobody's getting, you know, we can check on it or or maybe make it a little easier. You know, that sort of thing. So do you get feedback? Like I, you brought up shows and audits, which is, is perfect because they're basically, you know, it, the games are roughly connected to you guys. I that You may have a distributor that brings them. But what about like a game that is is put on Joe's Bar in Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming? Like, are, are, are you able to see how it's played at, at different locations uh, with Insider Connected? Well, the achievements are all connected. So, okay. you know, you can see people's achievements and stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't know about the, you know, the game audits. I, I can't speak to that. Okay. So I noticed there, I mean, this has obviously got a lot of nuance from from Deadpool, a little bit from Jurassic Park. Did you use some of that code structure from those games as well? Because like I noticed like with Van, it's kind of similar to Map, right? Like you shoot the white arrows and it spells out what you need to. Uh, is there any kind of other similarities, I guess, to other codes and 
something that you tried to emulate or are you trying to I don't know. I know that like Yeah, I mean the, the van yeah. was was definitely right out of Jurassic Park. That was actually my idea to spell van cuz I I thought of Jurassic Park and I'm like, "Huh, you know, that's a, the white arrows reminded me of Jurassic Park and then I was like, "Oh, you're spelling map. What could you spell? Oh, duh, van. You're trying to light the van." So, yeah, that was a good catch there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's other things, but I I kind of blend you know, whenever I need inspiration for rules, I'll think of other games and kind of incorporate their progressions and things, ideas. I guess the Overlord is kind of like a Rush Time Machine multiballs, where there's three different multiballs from the same sort of device, but each one is different. So, okay. you, you know, all my all of my life multiball and then Monkey Wrench multiball and then the Pretender multiball. So that kind of worked really well in rush where you're, you're in the time machine and you can do any of these, you know, multi-balls. Uh, it's a little different on Foo cause you always go in the same order, but also on Foo, each one is sort of better than the one before it. Like there's more jackpots, you get more balls in play, uh, that sort of thing. Cool. Is there any throwback games that you use code for, or like some idea? Cause like, it's one thing I love about Jurassic park. I don't know if people realize it or not, but you hit the five shots and then the spinner's lit for those five shots. And you hit it. It's just like in Stars from Stern, you hit the five stars and then you can hit the spinner for for big points. I don't know if there's some kind of inspiration that you pull from with some of those older games too. I mean, you know, there's the uh, the inlane targets that Jack came up with. I think he said he got those from Heavy Metal Meltdown or something. Okay, yeah. But uh, rules-wise... You know, the older games are just, uh, they're different than the modern games. So it's hard to just port rules directly from them. But, uh, you know, there is a super spinner in the game. So when that's active, it's worth more. Uh, there's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's its its hard to think of any direct parallels no off the top of my head. Which mode do you usually like to start with? I usually like uh, New Orleans just because kind of all the shots are available. It's kind of a nice one to get your feet wet. And it's good with multiball because of that. Uh, that or Seattle is kind of similar. But it really just depends on what I'm feeling. New York is fun if you just want to rip spinners. Like my favorite combo in the game is the center spinner to side ramp over and over again. So really dialed into that uh new york can be good but yeah i mean i like all the modes <laughs> did you get to put any easter eggs of yourself in from like seattle or anything like that no i don't think i don't think uh i, I have any anything hiding and come yet. on party pooper <laughs> <laughs> it'd be cool though just because you know that was your hometown and whatnot and anyhow you could have, have uh, dave Grohl give you a shout out yeah <laughs> All my Seattle friends. <laughs> it is cool that Seattle is on there, though, as a city. I'm happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. We, um, as typical, when we design games, we have the Pro Premium and LE. And you have the... It's interesting because sometimes... Sometimes the Pro kind of wins out as the preferred game. Sometimes the Premium wins out in the preferred. And I'll, I'll use an older one like Metallica. I would say the, the vast majority of the people who get Metallica, they tend to get the Pro. 
but there are other games where the premium far, far and away is the winner for popularity. So when you're designing a game, you don't know which one is going to win out. It sounds, sounds to me like it's kind of 50, 50 on this one, which is nice. No, I'm um, staring at a screen with two people and one, one is one has a pro yeah. order and one has a premium order. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a pro, but then again, you won it. So yeah. 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 I, I'm sure they'd let you upgrade for, uh, <laughs> for, uh, for an uh, upcharge. So, yeah. So like, how, how does that affect your mindset for the, the rules and saying, well, I, I don't want it to drastically affect how we play the game, but there is something different with the premium that has the upper, upper play field. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to describe it. Um, I like to have clear benefits and, and uniqueness to having the, the, uh, the premium, but not have things that are totally different or you feel like you're missing half the game, you know, with a pro. So for like the premium area 51 is in both, both models, but on the premium, you know, it all involves the upper play field. So you got to hit the little targets and the orbit and the ramp and the stuff. But on the pro, uh, we don't have an upper play field. So we just kind of, once you hit the ramp enough times, it'll, it'll start. And so you're, you're kind of missing out on the pro that, that satisfaction of like, lining it up and then hitting the upper target and you know you're starting area 51 because on the pro it just sort of happens and you might not know when or why so like as a premium owner you can be like yeah i really like that experience i'm happy to you know get the premium and, and get that but as a pro owner uh you once you learn that you're like well i have the same opportunities as a premium player it's just not quite as as fancy and and not, and you know warm and fuzzy but then also in addition to just the way kinetically uh, the premium will have different kind of scoring opportunities. Like in modes, you can shoot the upper play field to spot shots. So on the pro, you might hit the right ramp and then you're forced to like immediately, like either choose the left ramp or the center, but maybe one of those aren't lit for what mode you're in. But on a premium, every mode you can spot shots, you know, one time each on, on both of those. So if you work the right ramp into your equation, you can kind of, right ramp, upper loop, you know, then come down, hit some more things, go back up there, hit the other one and kind of changes the strategy. And then similarly in the area 51 multiball, the way you light your super jackpot is up there. So you can actually hold off on getting the super jackpot or just focus entirely on regular jackpots. Cause on the pro um, once like on the premium, you can always build your super jackpot up top. And so therefore down below, you're always getting jackpots. But on the, uh, sorry, did I say pro or premium? On the premium, on the pro, once you kind of get eight jackpots, then your super jackpot becomes available. And now you're building your super and you can't actually get regular jackpots. So that's actually a pretty big scoring change where on the pro, it's like jackpot, jackpot, jackpot. Okay, my super's ready, super. On the premium, it's kind of chaos. It's like jackpots down here, super up here, building up here. So that that dynamic is totally different. But like I said, you're not really missing anything either way. It's just it's just different. And uh, yeah, I think that's the way to go. And then of course, not from a software perspective, but from a design perspective, there's always all the cool you know sculpts and things. And and that little magnet under the overlord is actually kind of fun too. It, it choreographs. We actually made it 
kind of synchronized with the video. So when you get captured and the tractor beam comes on, especially um, on the LE with the expression lights, it really looks like a tractor beam. It's and then it starts shaking and the ball starts going like with the video. It's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. There is a lot of cool those little quirky just like with the pro. Like there's no upper play field like you said. And so the plastics are actually layered and they say like under construction, right? And just it's mm-hmm. cool that I feel like there's a lot with this game that you guys just took a little just took the material and just tweaked it a little bit and just made it just that that much better. And and obviously it's shining through. Like it's just the automatic winner. We've had several pinball machines released in the last three months. If you didn't know that, you might be under a rock, right? <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> it's been a crazy month for sure. But it's crazy because it's like What's everyone's favorites besides Foo Fighters? Because we know you're going to say Foo Fighters. This game has been received very, very well. I, I hope this has probably made you pretty happy, right? Right, Ray? Like, you've, I, have you had any negative feedback on this game so far? Not particularly. No, I mean, it, everyone's been loving the heck out of it, and uh, it's cool to be part of something that everyone's so excited about. It, like, and and everyone's like asking me rules questions, and I'm like, yes, I will answer them. Like, yes. <laughs> what do you what do you want to know? That's great. And uh, I guess it's probably a little bit different than uh, some of the previous projects you may have worked on. So but um, I don't know. It, it's just great to see such a game that's 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 loved. I did find it funny, though. Like, uh, what was it? Dennis Creasel. It's like, finally, a game <laughs> band game that Ray's not on. And then they announced you on. Because everyone just assumed it was just going to be Tanya, but they never realized that you were working <laughs> in conjunction. So, so they're like, oh, yep. Raise on another another band game. Are you are you going to throw your hat in for a game outside of a band anytime soon? Or are you just happy with the bands? <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way it's all been lining up so far. You never know what what's next. So that this is, I'm guessing here. This is probably the band that you have been most familiar with of all of all the bands that have been released. I guess. actually is probably the one I was least familiar with. Really. Uh, yeah, okay. I never really listened to Foo Fighters before um, working on this. I mean, I had heard, I think "Learn to Fly" was kind of the only song I knew I knew. Oh, um, no, and then... that's early Foo Fighters too. Yeah. Oh, is I think, it? I think that's oh, off yeah. their first album, isn't it? That probably Pretty explains close. why I know it. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a huge I... departure from Nirvana because it was kind of like, hey, this is a, a light, uh, you know, a light fun thing, and a lot of Nirvana songs were less fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's not as much growl screaming in uh in Learn to Fly as some of the later songs, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it kind of went for volume. So I I would say that has the theme resonated with uh I I am solidly in the the dad rock era, right? Like uh, all the bands that you guys have released, I'm like, yeah, I'm I, I'm slightly younger than the Led Zeppelin era, totally in the the Rush era. And uh, and I have a friend who wants a Bon Jovi pinball machine. So if you want to do that next, he'd really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, this is actually the, uh, of the ba- of the band pins that have been released. This is the one I'm, I'm least familiar with, too. Uh, I, I actually don't know too much about Foo Fighters. But I do appreciate the energy they bring. So what kind of what kind of feedback have you been receiving from, because you talk to a lot of people playing pinball and there's a lot of people in their twenties now, uh, as opposed to us 40 year olds. 
what do they think about the thing? Uh, it seems to be a big hit, especially on location. Uh, people are playing the heck out of it. And so usually theme is, is one of the biggest thing that draws you to a game at a location. So the fact that people are playing, it means it's a theme people really resonate with, uh, in that crowd. So yeah. And, and I did know a lot of people that were, when I mentioned I worked on the Foo Fighters pinball there, they immediately like, there's a Foo Fighters pinball. I'm like, yeah. And then I, you know, go, go buy one or go play one. You know? <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. More perf, preferably go buy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to answer your question, Scott, it was actually after off their third album, oh, okay. nothing left to lose. Their first one was self-titled. Food okay. Fighter, All right. And then the second one was the color and the shape. So gotcha. Yeah. So I, I actually really like Monkey Wrench, which is from their second album. I think that one's one of their better songs. But I'm yeah, more a, I, I, I that's it's so weird. Everyone had said that that was like one of their favorite songs. And that was like one that I had never heard before. And then I played the game and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. I can I can see. Yeah, such an upbeat kind of punk song. Just so good. I don't it's know. Even I more like upbeat when you activate the uh, the bot frenzy and get the yes. tune version. <laughs> Chip tune version. Yes. Ooh. This is what I'm talking about. Scott's yeah. just like, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Chip, yeah. Chip tune. Chip yeah. Tune. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Imagine rock and roll music mixed with video game music. That's well, you know, it's not our fault. The overlord tune. took over and, and wanted to make everything all tech now. And it, I, I love it. I can't wait for it. Yeah. No, that, that that's awesome. For those that aren't <laughs> watching the YouTube, you just missed Scott's little dance to the, yeah, doing the shoulder dance. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering why I never became a professional dancer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is, this is your third game you've worked on, right? Or fourth? Fourth. This Mm -hmm. is your fourth. So what, what have you learned incrementally through the process to go from, you know, first of all, what was the biggest surprise that you had from being an enthusiast, being a, like an elite, not even a high level, an elite level tournament player and understanding rules probably better than anyone else on the planet. And then coming in and saying, Oh, now I have to design it. What was the biggest surprise? That it's, uh, it's really hard. (laughs) Like, like you run into a lot of what ifs and a lot of like when I'm playing and I think of an idea, I'm like, why didn't they just do this or why, you know, you know, it'd be cool if X, Y, and Z, like when you don't have to actually implement it, you can come up with thousands of ideas a second. Like it's so easy to just, you know, Oh man, they should do something like this. But the problem is when you actually make the rule, you actually have to think of like every implication and execution of that rule and, and how it interacts with the other rules and, and, and what it actually means. Like, like, will people understand that? There's so much more to it. It's 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 funny that you say that because it, it has to be like simplistic complex complexity, right? Because like, look at um, I think of the '90s games. Like, I always kind of think of like Giant Mnemonic. That game does have some good depth to it and whatnot. But the problem is, is everything gets overridden because everyone lines up their 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 grid and then they get the the spinner lit for ridiculous amounts of points and then you just yep. spin it all day long. And so it's like that, like you're constantly have to balance like, well, what do I do? So that way someone doesn't just focus solely on overlord or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yep. Yep. You got to make sure there's nothing too, too crazy. Uh, 
I know on uh, on Rush, I kind of went wild and was just like, yeah, you can boost things as high as you want. You can put multipliers on things and you can blow it up, do all this crazy stuff. And it was fun for a while. And then people started getting like hundreds of billions instead of just like a few billions. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this, start, this is starting to become meaningless, right? Like the scores have to mean something. Uh, and yeah. so we, we adjusted that in the latest update to try to make it more uh, balanced. And, and so when you actually get a good score, it's because you, you did something cool. You didn't just, you know, have the one thing lined up and, and did it a certain way or whatever. So that, that, that was kind of a lesson learned. Um, and on Foo, you know, there are crazy multipliers, so I'm a little worried people might find some crazy things, but so far I think I've kept it all sort of, um, balance where people are picking different different cities. People are, you know, you can pick either wizard mode. Um, people aren't just like always in a playfield multiplier because it gets it gets harder to start. You know, the in lane targets you're not always just shatzing because it's really freaking hard on that game mm -hmm. to, to actually shoot into the in lane targets. So you only do it when like the opportunity presents itself and you have like a big thing. You're not, it's not like Star Wars where you're just always, do, 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 boop, do, 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 you know, make sure I'm multiplying everything. So all that stuff is stuff I've learned and, and I'm thinking about as I'm making rules. When you're playing it, what, what triggers for you wanting to try to shoot the shot shot, the, the stand up targets? Because for me, that looks almost like you know, attack from Mars straight up the middle. It seems like it is a, 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 a ricochet waiting to happen that will go right between your flippers. Yeah. I mean, if you have like your last shot in a mode is always worth a lot. So I've seen people try to double that, you know, or just double like um, in bot frenzy, you can actually double the spinner rip. Like when your spinner's lit for a lot, it'll actually multiply all the spins, not just like one. That was fun to implement too. All the all that logic of, you know, a shot multiplier seems so simple, and then you have to think like, wait, what is a shot? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. define shot for me. <clears throat> so, yeah. How many times do you break a game starting to code it? Like, do you just have moments where like you're you're coding everything out? You guys are testing it out in the lab or whatever, and all of a sudden the game just like shuts itself off. <laughs> I mean, I hope it does. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no, he, I didn't know if that. He, he's I saying know when that, you're testing, not on location. Yeah, I'm saying when you guys are creating the game. Does that ever happen? Like you, you're like, this will be awesome, and then you put it all in, and it just like breaks the game. <laughs> that uh, never I mean, when I'm developing, it's literally like writing code and then sending it to the game and then testing it. And I'm sure, yeah, sometimes you'll forget a semicolon and you'll be in an infinite loop. Like that stuff happens to everybody. And and when that happens in pinball, everything just locks up, and you're just like, wait. Why is nothing happening? And you're like, oh, you know, oops. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of it, it can have some crazy you know, consequences if someone was just um, watching the game. But when I'm testing, I, I do it with glass off, you know, with my hand. So it's not like I'm physically oh. like I'm going to play a game of foo and then it something bad happens. Um, it's it's more like I implemented a new mode. I start the mode. I hit some shots and then it dies. And I'm like, oh, OK, I need to go look at this thing like. Gotcha. That's sort of how that works. You should I, make that a silver ball swag shirt. Yeah. Did I forget my semi semicolon? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I'm just going to make one that says pro tip, play with the glass off. <laughs> play like the professionals. Now, 
your life before pinball was in coding, like you were in software, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so is, are you a unicorn that you actually have that background in actual coding, but also being an elite player too, and coming over has you that, know, has that been any different? I, I, first I would say it's actually not as rare as you'd think. I think a people that find themselves good at pinball or at least very enthusiastic about pinball sure. in my polling, it seems like there's pr a good amount of them that either have computer programming jobs or are in that that field or just like math and stuff in general and so it's it's not quite as unicorn coincidence as you'd think since it kind of aligns that way but uh in my case it it it, it worked out especially well because yeah i i you know really passionate pinball and they needed somebody who could code and could, you know, move to Chicago on a whim. And, you know, I'm not, I, I mean, I do have a house in Washington, but I, I got it rented out. So that's, you know, still there, but I was basically able to take advantage of the, the opportunity and just dive in. How have you been like in Chicago? Is it definitely def like, is it a change of pace from Seattle? Like, are you enjoying the food more? What, what are your thoughts on Chicago? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's similar in a lot of ways, you know, things are expensive and like there's traffic on the 90 and, and, you know, it's, it's very, a lot of things are similar, but I will say it's nice where it's not always gray and raining. Like it's cool to see the sun when you step outside. The wind is annoying, but I think I'd trade the wind, but, but then you actually want the wind when it's hot outside. So that actually cancels out. And then in the winter, you just, you just don't go outside. So that solves that problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hibernate. Duct okay. tape the door shut. Remind me how this whole experience started. That and you're a programmer in Seattle, an elite level level player. And how did it end up that your job and your passion merged? This was basically Tim Sexton's doing. He reached out to me because he he had seen me at tournaments and he uh i think he knew that i was in software and he had actually just had the same sort of crossroads in his life where he was working in software and was able to had an opportunity to go to stern and he had to make that decision you know do i want to leave what i know and try this new adventure and so he did it and he loved it so much that he kind of recruited me thinking I'd be a good match. And I, I was like, well, I literally just closed on this house like a few months ago. Why don't you try in a year? And sure enough, next year he reached out and was like, hey, we're still, you know, what do you think? Did you want to come give it a shot? And and I was like, well, I do have a renter now. And I mean, I, what what's worse? I, Sure, I'll do an interview, you know. Uh, yeah, let's see. Well, let's see where this goes. I mean, I didn't really believe that I would actually be able to work at Stern Pinball. Like, that's pretty cool. But I was like, well, I don't want to pass this up. So, you know, I followed the interview. Um, they flew me out to Chicago. I had to like uh, you know, not be at work on a on a Friday randomly or whatever. Um, <laughs> just be like, "Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm not in today." <coughs> I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
um yeah that was cool they uh they treated me well there showed me some of the cool chicago spots they put me up in a nice nice hotel downtown it was really really a cool experience and uh and then and then they hit me with like the coding questions that you know very beginning of the day like 9 a.m and i'm like i've kind of froze up but then i like remembered it's like remember you know how to code it's okay just just do your thing and so got on the whiteboard it's so weird you know writing code in, in a marker and and whatnot and well, did 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 well enough, and then got an offer, and pretty much, you know, I had to think about it a little bit and talk it over with my parents. You know, what should I do? Should I go to Chicago? I don't know. And my friends were like, "Well, yeah, I mean, it's pinball. It's, you you love that's your, that's your thing, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> they still make those, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of basically it. And just sort of Tim Tim Sexton just kind of reached out, and um, and I. Yeah, that's it. That's awesome. It's not what you know; it's who you know, right? Well, and a little bit of what well, you know. Okay, I, I and you end up in a they, you end up in a boardroom. Ray over me for because uh, <laughs> he can code and he can play and he knows rules. So well, just make sure you put your semicolon on the board when you're writing it in a marker. <laughs> is it the same? Is it a coding language that you use that you have been familiar with, or did you have to learn a new language? So it, it's uh, C++, which is, I had done it in college a lot. That was pretty much what you wrote. Well, when you first, when I first went to college, like your first year in college, you do like Java, uh, which is kind of like the beginner's language to kind of get you the concept of programming. But then your later classes were all done in C++, which is like a more hardcore language where it doesn't do a lot of the stuff for you, you kind of have to be more particular, meticulous with spelling things out and, and, and learning how the computer memory works and, and algorithms and data management. And so all that kind of thing was all in my upper CS classes. And that's what they use at Stern, but I hadn't really used it in my jobs except for like briefly touching on it. One of the jobs I worked at, actually had a Mac and a Windows version of their program. But the program was more just a wrapper for a, a Flash application. So you'd, you'd actually download like a Windows or Mac thing and you'd run it. And then it would have a Flash window where you'd be able to do all your things in. And so you went, at that job, I mostly did Flash programming. But I did every once in a while have to peek into the Windows code, which uses C++. So I didn't have zero experience, professional experience with it, but it was pretty low on the list of things that, that was fresh in my mind. Um, but I did remember from my, I had to kind of remember my, my college, you know, remember your training and, and, and that, you know, came in handy. So I, I, my mind's blank. What do you got for me, Scott? <laughs> I lost you in my my code talk. I should have. No, no, it's no. Yeah, we're so entranced by the code talk, we didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, so so coming to Stern Pinball, it is your it, it's it's a dream job, and a lot of people like. Were you concerned at all that some people say it's like don't don't meet your heroes, right? Because in your mind, they're going to be someone different than they are, and they may or may not live up to your expectations. How has that been? merging your love with your job uh it's been 
pretty great. I haven't really seen much downside to it. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it can be a little, you know, you have to be a little more who you talk to about what, and you know, make sure you're not like, cause you're super excited about everything, but you can't, you know, say what you're working on mm-hmm. and, and, and you can't participate in the rumors and speculations, you know, part. But other than that, I mean, I still uh, go to all the pinball tournaments I can and, uh, and still play games at my home and, and even play on location. And yet I still work on a game. It's code every day. And, can't get enough of pinball. I don't know. I'm crazy. We want to remind everyone after the show, we have the Patreon where Raymond's going to be opening up about all the rumors and secrets. Yeah. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I just uh, so I It'll just be, you know, a million dollars a month or however, however many, you know, to take place of losing <laughs> your you know, job. Yeah. Well, yeah. All the years of employment. <laughs> and and the, the lawsuit to follow with it. It reminds me of when uh, Star Wars came out, then the, like the last three terrible movies uh jay abrams handed out like a a sheet that said this is everything you guys can discuss and it was a blank piece of paper (laughs) (laughs) that's funny that's great that's great now there are a crazy amount of talented pinball players in the chicago area how how brutal is league do do you do you have league nights or do you just do competition or or how's that work yeah, I'm part of the Chicago Pinball League, which is, uh, you know, it's pretty small, only 24 people, but we go to um, people's houses and play once a month. And you're kind of grouped with people who are doing as well as you in the league. So, yeah, I'll be facing all the all the top dogs. You know, Keith Johnson is in the league. Andy Bagwell is in the league. I, I mean, I it's not quite as crazy as it used to be. You know, I don't think Josh or Zach Sharp are in the league anymore. Roger Sharp is, though. It's really fun playing with him. And uh, he'll he'll still kick your butt if you're not careful. You got to watch out. He, he can still still play. And so it's, it's, and it's cool because he is kind of like a hero, right? And you're just playing pinball with him, like, at, in the Chicago League. And same with, same with, you know, a lot of industry people like Joe Katz, Keith Johnson, Mark Seiden, Jim, Jim Shear. Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah. Uh, Stern Pinball. There's like even, yeah, just all sorts of people that you, that you hang out with and, and play. Um, it's pretty cool. I will have to admit, if you ever get the opportunity to meet Roger Sharp, definitely do it. Cause we were joke. We always joke about like, don't meet your heroes, but like okay. Roger is like the most down to earth guy I know. Roger is one of those people that actually exceeds your expectations on meeting your heroes because he makes you feel like you're awesome as opposed yeah. to you going and saying, Hey, you remember that shot you did? That was, that was really cool. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he gives you such good praise when, when you do something cool, he's, he's like genuinely impressed and, and it makes you feel really good. And, and, and he's very, very humble about his own, playing and and i i definitely did not expect the mustache to be as awesome as it is that it's an impressive you you remember when he shaved it off and people were like whoa whoa what happened he did yeah (laughs) it was it was like for for a week or something and i he he posted a picture and people are like no 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 you need to grow that back (laughs) it came right back like nothing yeah he woke up the next morning and poof it was there yeah (laughs) tim tim allen in the santa claus yeah yep (laughs) 
There's two people who are required to have mustaches, uh, Roger Sharp and Tom Selleck. Yep. Definitely. (laughs) My goodness. So what has kind of stood out to you in the Foo Fighters process versus some of the other stuff you've done in the past? I mean, there was... There, there is this whole uh, storyline and lore that I had to learn, and uh, you know, with the the Overlord. Um, okay, it's so, all kind of- so describe this. I don't know the lore at all. So just dis- yeah. So tell so me about it. I'm still kind of trying to figure it out too. <laughs> I'm not the guy. Uh, Tanya could be able to tell you, uh, or Jack, but it's basically from what I gather, the Overlord's like this alien who grew up in area 51 kind of raised by scientists who like, you know, kind of treat him as like their kid. And so he kind of like uh, the Sonic movie where he grew up on all the pop culture and stuff. But then at some point he kind of was like old enough. And and Tanya described it as his angsty teenage years where he wanted to, to go out and reformat everyone and everything to be, techno and digital um you can kind of that's kind of why on the game you'll see like the area 51 area those buildings mm-hmm. you know area 51 is like a, a desert with like warehouses so mm-hmm. you might be wondering why it looks all like purple neon sort of thing that's that's basically the overlord turning everything into his futuristic vision of reality and then also giving people these helmets that reformat their brain to just kind of rock out to the techno music kind of like uh, what was it the riddler in uh, batman forever oh yeah 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 that's kind of uh what i gathered and then the, the part that starts confusing me is when you get into the meta of the saturday morning cartoon where there's like the action figures that the overlord is is collecting because I guess in this world, the Foo Fighters are a TV show and they all have their own action figures. Okay. And so, so the overlord, that's kind of why in like the match sequence, he's like flipping channels on the TV. Cause it's kind of okay. like he was watching the Foo Fighters, I guess, but also the Foo Fighters are not only on the TV show, but then they're also real because they end up being the ones to stop the overlord from, mm. from, his plan and so he the the foo fighters get in the van and they travel to these cities that he's reformatted and try to you know take the helmets away and 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 save everybody or like in the seattle mode you know this is a call they're kind of going around everywhere like you know helping everybody uh run is the roswell mode where the overlord actually is there and he's chasing you and you gotta have to run away from him. And Chicago's, I know they all have like the helmets on, you're freeing the helmets. So all the, all the modes have their own um, little storyline to it. And then the area 51 storyline is you're, you're going to area 51 and you're actually digging through the old files of this overlord. Uh, Cause remember they, they've had him since he, since he crash landed as like a little baby alien (laughs) um and so you're finding all these embarrassing facts about him so if you're ever watching a stream and someone's playing area 51 look at the display there's all sorts of hilarious folders that that they they show and and things so there's there's a lot um in the art in this game for sure and and story and 
yeah, that that was uh, that was a lot to to kind of take in when I when I joined the project and and learn and and it's it's cool though it's it's really cool. Okay, so they assembled to form like so. When I was a kid, there was a show called Voltron. Oh, I I forgot about that. That's yeah. that's yes, that's that's they how the they that's uh, how they plan to to beat or that's. See, this is where I get confused again because yeah, is, is this the cartoon, their Saturday morning yeah. cartoon, or is this the actual Foo Fighters who are traveling around? Yeah, there? I'm not sure, but I just know that yeah, there's this big Foobot that you end up fighting the Overlord's big suit, you know, thing that he's mm-hmm. in spaceship with legs. Kind of like what was that, Avatar style? Yeah. And so you you build this Fubot and now you can control the Fubot and that gives you the extra power to kind of take him down. Um, that's kind of like the late game stuff, Fubot and Final Battle, after you've saved everybody and, and whatnot. So I was listening to Bro Do You Even Talk Pinball this week with Nick Lane and Kevin Manny and they were talking about like pinball machines being scripted they like the old williams used to be like second city they'd pay to come in and like tina fey was part of medieval madness and whatnot mm-hmm. how much of it is stern coming up with this content versus do you guys even pay people to do a script like because this this seems all pretty off the wall like did this i think all this come- was most i think this was all in house um i know zombie yeti uh jeremy packer came up with a, a lot of the art concepts that then we ended up building off of and uh yeah i don't i don't actually know how all that sort of happens because like i said when i join it's all done already and i just am jumping into the code so yeah it's pretty impressive though it's pretty cool do you usually see a completed play field or is it still whitewood when you're working on code it's always a whitewood yeah but it has all the shots and lights and things so you can encode it and then once you do see the final art you're always blown away because you're like oh wow this is way better than just a blank play field <laughs> like this is really cool what's so what's favorite? your oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead i, I was right. gonna ask what's your favorite game you've worked on so far the current one <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, on the production I mean, line yeah right i mean there have all been pretty cool I guess I have a soft spot for Led Zeppelin because it was like my first one where I really got to just go ham and basically, you know, come up with the multiball rules. So I got to think of all the cool different progressions of like this multiball is going to be based on shots. This one's ramps, this one switches, that sort of thing. And then, you know, it was your first, your first, I mean, Avengers was like, getting my toes wet and kind of just doing what Keith wanted. And that was cool too. That definitely was a great way to, to jump into it. But I think, I think I have a soft spot for, for Led Zeppelin. Um, But then after that rush was even better, like in terms of I got to that, that game had so much going on that I was, it was like Led Zeppelin on steroids. And then Foo Fighters is kind of orthogonal to those games where it's it's yeah i get to do a lot of cool things but i'm not coming up with everything on my own and just kind of going wild it's it's been more of a um work with jack work with tanyo kind of collaborative 
kind of experience, I guess. And it's, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And uh, I'm really happy with, with how it came out. So I, I don't really have a favorite. They're all just kind of different experiences. What's your favorite shot in the game? Uh, probably the side ramp. It's just like the smoothest, easiest side ramp in a long time. Like it just, you just hit it and it just flies around there. I feel like you don't, you don't really brick it. It's like, if you get it in that vicinity, it just kind of sucks it up there and, and it just feels really good. And then, and then you can shoot the spinner afterwards. So like that combo is probably my favorite. That's all Ray does. He sits in the lab and just shoots that shot over and over. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the most shot combo that you have planned for the code? Like an eight-way combo, seven-way? Well, uh, I think it stops after about 12 or 13, which is when it gets to red. So every time you're hitting a combo, the, the color gets a little more up the spectrum. And you actually can see it like both on the play field with the lights, the little circle combatron lights, they'll start changing colors. And once you get it to red, that's like the max. And that's, I think that's 13 or 14. Um, after that, it doesn't go up any higher, but you're still getting like huge, you know, millions of points every time you keep it going. Yeah, it's uh, the combos on that game are really fun. And if you just keep hitting combos, you'll, you'll get good points. Like uh, don't underestimate the combos. Awesome. We're kind of coming up onto the hour mark. Is there anything that you haven't got to share about Foo Fighters that you want people to know? There's just something that's like, yeah. What what you, haven't we asked that we should have been asking? I mean, you haven't asked any rules questions, but I guess you guys don't have your games yet, so you don't really. <laughs> it's true. I, well, and like so, we did talk about the van. Uh, at least the lighting of the white. I do like. The actual van shots. I've played. A, I've played a handful of times, but the the drop targets. I like how you have that lined up to do, uh, you know, your missile, or your speaker, or, or uh, I, what, I can't remember what the third thing is on there, but that kind of that roving shot with the with locking it in and and boosting your van is really cool too. So while, yeah, yeah. You, oh, go ahead. You, go ahead. Before you start a mode, yeah, you hit those drops and then you hit the thing behind it. But the fun part is if you ever hit the. Yeah, if you ever miss a drop, like you hit the behind paddle, it actually resets your drops. So it's actually challenging to try to pick those off uh, without missing and, and resetting them. <laughs> but you do get progress towards a bonus multiplier, so not all is lost if you if you miss those. You get rewarded pretty well if you get all three down without resetting them? Yeah, because then they stay down, and you can hit the paddle behind them as many times as you can before the time runs out and each time levels up your van another level. And so if you hit that thing like six times on the bomb, then the next time you start a mode, you'll have six shots already spotted. So you only need a couple more to, to beat it or like the engine will start your mode with a hundred seconds instead of 50 or the speakers will start your scoring instead of 2 million a shot. It'd be like 3 million a shot. So it's just depending on which uh, mod you have, the next the next mode you play will be uh, better. Nice. So I'm playing this in Logan's Arcade, and you walk in, and I turn to you and say, okay, so what am I supposed to be doing on this game? How are you going to describe it to me? Uh, basically, I would say you... Uh, honestly, for 
any game, it's I think I'm stealing this from Travis Murray. The three M's: modes, multipliers, multiball. Actually, maybe not in that order. Modes, multiball, modes, multiplier. Anyway, so I describe those three things. I say your modes are hitting the white arrows to spell van and shooting the left ramp. Then just pick a mode, whatever shots show up that you like. Pick that mode because it'll actually show you the arrows um, as you're selecting the modes. And then tell them where the multiballs are, which is hitting the overlord a bunch of times. He captures your ball, and then you shoot the ball. That's a multiball. Or shooting the right ramp on a pro five times is a multiball. Or on the premium, you go up there, and each time you hit the ramp, it will actually spot you a shot the first time. And you just have to start it by hitting the, uh, the diverter opens up, and you hit the back target. So I would describe those, and then I would describe the multipliers of shooting the right orbit three times builds the Rockometer to start 2x scoring. So don't sleep on just shooting that right orbit and getting it the ball to kind of figure eight into that little side lane, and that will start your playfield multiplier. And that's kind of all you need to know. In the modes, you just follow the colored arrows. In the multiballs, um, I guess I'd tell them about the ball, which is... Your radio targets on the left, if you hit both of those, then the big radio light will start flashing. And then you hit either of those to collect that radio. And that's your mystery award, which in multiball is always at a ball. And, uh, and then I'd tell them if you can beat three modes, you get a wizard mode. And that would be like my, my goal that I'd set for them. I'd be like, that should keep you busy for a while. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to get my game. Uh, I'm, I've already sold my Whitewater. There's a spot just waiting, glowing. Oh, you probably got a pretty penny for that. I remember that game shot up majorly. So it's been really interesting. I don't know if if anyone has tried to sell a game recently. I I did get, I did get a pretty penny off it. I can't complain. But it, it was really weird. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever had this problem. <laughs> I posted on Pinside. And someone messaged me, can I convince you to give you a heady glass? I don't know what the heck that is. Apparently, it's a bong, a really, really nice bong. And I was like, (laughs) so he was was really familiar with your pastimes. (laughs) Yes. And then the other weird part, too, is is I I don't know how deep I want. I know Scott knows about this. Uh, Let's just say there was one that shared like a an awkward, sad family situation and said, because of this, I'm a little strapped for cash. Can you give me $500 off? No, $1,500 off. Oh, $1,500 off. They wanted I... $1,500 off for their... So it was like a family tragedy. And I I, I just kind of jokingly said, hey, I've got this family tragedy. Uh, I still want to buy this luxury item. Can you give me... Can you cut me a deal on it? It just sounded <laughs> so bizarre. So... Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't... I haven't tried to sell anything uh, too too recently, but uh, I'm I'm sure it's it's bizarre out there, you know, in the raw. <laughs> well, never know what kind of people you're gonna run into. It doesn't help when you know, like games like Foo Fighters and like six other games come out all at the same time, and everyone's like, everyone's "We need to get rid of everything right now." Yeah. yeah, and everyone wants. To, yeah, it just. But no, it just made me chuckle because it's I I've had more unique interactions this go around, yeah. and, and luckily I ended up selling Whitewater locally to a gentleman. Uh, shout out to Kyle. Uh, thanks for buying my white water. Um, he, he, 
he was in love with it. Uh, got dropped. Did it have off. a? Did it, did it still have the topper? It did. I okay. did, the, did the new ROMs that actually do the bonus hold on the third waterfall drop reward. Oh, nice. Yeah, that that home ROM is is nice. Oh, it's so good. And it you know what's funny is I was selling it as like the motor was broken. And then I got to Kyle's house and we opened it up and I realized the set screw was loose on the Yeti head. So we just oh. had to tighten down the set screw. The motor was fine. <laughs> I had a I had an issue on a, my Walking Dead I got where the drop targets would do this dance where they'd go like chunk 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 and I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want to look at drop targets. And I look and it's literally just a, a screw that was like loose and I just mm, went yeah. and then fixed it. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Some of those. Every time I have to take off the glass, I'm like, please just be something. (laughs) I actually, I had that with rush when I opened my LE and I'm like, there's a problem with the, with the drop target. Like, I can't remember exactly what was going on. And I looked and like the spring had fallen off. And so I just reattached the spring and it was fine. Nice. It's like, that's how it was with my Godzilla. The, uh, the magnet portion of the stomach, the metal stud fell out of me. Mecha stomach. Yeah, yeah. The t- and I was the like, tummy grab. what yeah. the heck? <laughs> so I, I text Zach Benny because, you know, he does the warranty stuff and he was training Greg Bone at the time and mm-hmm. they get on a conference call and we're there talking and I'm like, oh, a screw fell out of the back. So he just yeah. slid the stud mm-hmm. back in and screwed it in. I actually, now, <laughs> now that I've finished my renovation, I still need to get because Greg pulled because my side scoop, the opto was bad on mine. So Ray, and we talked about this a few times. That was the issue why I couldn't mm-hmm. play because that side scoop, that was such a, a, a bad situation. And so finally he's like, you, you know, everything was backward because obviously this is the, the modern, modern era. And so Greg like pulled his out and sent it and then Stern warranted it, sent it out to me, but my wife put it somewhere and I have no idea where it is. So now that we have Poor finished. Greg Bone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I need to find that and give it back to Greg Bone. I've, I've appreciated the patience he's had, but the, uh, it's, uh, are I, you going to, um, anything this year or next year, uh, expo Texas next time planning expo Texas is definitely on my list next year. I couldn't go this year because uh wife was heading to a girl's trip. So I, I had to be home with the kids and I, I was not interested in bringing my 12, nine and eight year old to, to TPF. And uh, I think my 12 year old would have been fine, but I think my nine year old and eight year old would have just been like, dad, this is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Except, except we went over to my friend's house who had a a bond 60. And so we were playing that and they fell in love with sitting on a stool and playing pinball. And so my friend actually gave me a stool. And so my kids have actually been playing pinball more than they ever have since I've had pinball machines. Wow. And it was just the whole, they like setting up so they can see a little better. So that's that's a pro tip for you guys. Yeah, I actually, uh, I did that. I I sat down on a chair while playing a Simpsons pinball party. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, how, how, if you're, if you're not tall enough to see, you cannot, the comic book guy's head is in the way of the entire upper Everything, play field. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, this is a view that, that some, that like kids and some people have, like it kind of, it was like, wow. Okay. I, I'm going to stand up now so I can play, but oh, uh, it is comfy. You get to just kind of sit down and relax. Or, or if you're in the lineman position, cause he got, he got way down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, when you're defending the ball towards your flippers, yeah. uh, 
I feel like that would be helpful for sure. You get to see the angles in a different way, I guess. Yeah. Yes, but I I just booked our hotel for Chicago, so yeah, so, so we we should be there. And uh, I'm planning uh, on it. Oh, wait, I you, why did you book the hotel? I thought we were staying at Ray's house. Uh, that's yeah. that's what I thought too. I got too space many, under the see see the pinball machines where like uh, furniture should be. You know, I, I don't, there's not much room here. <laughs> well, we'll just sleep under them. So it'll be like when you had those little tents as a kid. You'd just be like sleep under them, and, and we can even put up like bed sheets on the side. Yeah. You know, make a just, fort, a pinball yeah. fort. <laughs> <laughs> well cool ray if you want someone to get a hold of you what's the best way to get a hold of you well ray also has a discord he, he has yeah. a oh yeah a, yeah it's perfect. yeah you just uh go to my twitch chat uh like ray day pinball twitch.tv slash ray pinball give me a follow there and if you want the discord you can type exclamation mark discord um or you can just message me on facebook messenger it's probably the easiest way i guess and i've got to give you a shout out on that discord it's one <laughs> Most of those discords kind of like do great at the very beginning and then they just kind of putter out. Yours always steam, seems to be active. Like there, there's always someone commenting on it. And so it's yeah, kind of nice. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. So yeah. it, uh, it blew up with the um, discussion of all the IFPA changes for next year. Which oh, is yeah. whole other podcasts in itself. You guys should get a, uh, have you already gotten Josh on and, and talked about that at all? Uh, actually we haven't, but that's a great, I mean, we had him on for Pulp Fiction. And oh, so, yeah. so we, uh, we haven't uh, been able to bring him back on, but that's actually a good point. It seems like there's a, a lot of, a lot of rule changes. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, to get his uh, view and perspective on that. Josh, mm-hmm. Sharp, the one guy that you could have on four episodes in a row and not have the same material discussed. Every <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Cause you could talk raw thrills on one. You could talk, you know, coding on another and then you could talk IP on another and I just, yeah. You could also have Roger on for uh, four episodes, but they'd be four, four hour episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd get through five questions. So, you know it. Okay. Uh, a couple things I, I want to point out. So we did, we did something fun. Uh, Silver bar swag. If you go and check out our stuff, we, uh, we had uh, Brad Albright do the design for, there's some awesome shoes and a backpack and you can choose your colors and there's a Keith Elwin goat shirt. We're just having a little fun with this. It's, it's still, it's a lot of fun. And I know I, I love seeing pictures of people getting the shoes because they are really fun pinball shoes. And uh, I've been talking with Josh about getting the uh, 3.0 version of the loser kid hat uh, made. So uh, those are in the works so we, uh, as soon as we get those made, then, uh, Ray, we'll, we'll give you the 3.0 hat and get you, uh, get you, get you leveled up. We'll have to bring it personally to you at expo here in October. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we'll get them done before then. <laughs> if, if you want to check out our swag, it's on silverballswag.com slash collections slash loser kid pinball podcast. And, and there's and- dashes in between the, the loser kid and pinball. And this is our second episode on YouTube. If you want to look at our uh, beautiful faces, then that is uh, definitely a way of checking us out. Happy for uh, subscriptions and any sort of uh, listening on whatever uh, whatever method you like. We we are just grateful that you guys are able to spend an evening with us or an afternoon also, or a morning or whatever. I also want to do a quick shout out to Martin Gomez. If you did not check out our – I posted on all the socials this week – but they did. They originally did an episode about pinball on their podcast, Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. It is a huge podcast, and they did this pinball podcast like a decade ago, 
Well, at that time, pinball was was coming out a lot, coming off life support. Yes, yes. Let's put that away. Uh, I mean, really, what they covered was is the '90s Williams stuff. They talked about pinball 2000, and then it kind of puttering out. And it's amazing how much has changed in the last decade for pinball, and really having a renaissance. So it was cool because the first part was kind of a a remix with Roger Sharp, them talking about the movie, and then the last half was them talking to Keith Elwin and Martine going and doing uh, a tournament and just kind of recording that as a newbie and, and playing through it. Uh, thanks for sharing pinball. I mean, it was crazy because I was looking up their subscribers just on podcast addict alone was 1.1 million subscribers. And that is amazing to have. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And so <laughs> and they, uh, it and was they really funny. A little, though. Uh, sound clip from Josh and me. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, I couldn't get Keith to gloat about himself. He's not like that at all. Right. Ray. Like he will, he, Anywho, he just yeah. he doesn't talk about himself, and so he ended up pulling uh, clips from Scott, from me, and from our good friend Martin Robbins off a of head to head, talking about how uh, Keith Ellen is pretty amazing at his job, and so uh, it was cool to be on there, and, and also they gave a shout out directly to me because I helped get them connected to Keith and to Zach Sharp uh, and whatnot, so that way they could get the episode all wrapped up. But it was really fun. It was really cool. It was really different to hear hear that and uh yeah i uh, just want to give out martina a shout and i think he'll actually be at pinball expo as well but oh, that'd be great yeah we, we'd love to take him around so uh other than that uh if you want to get a hold of us we are loser kid pinball podcast at gmail.com you can get a hold of us on facebook instagram twitter twitch all at loser kid pinball like scott said if you want to buy some of our swag Easiest way right now is to go to silverballswag.com slash collection slash loser kid pinball podcast. And there's shirts, shoes, coffee mugs. There's even even fabric. 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 Yeah. You can you can knit Shout your out. own thing. Shout out to Jen Ruper for buying some fabric. I guess she's gonna make a dress out of it. It's gonna look That's amazing. Awesome. I cannot wait to see it. And uh yeah, and, and I'm Silverball Swag. I'm sporting my sim- my triple drain. I guess uh, Travis has got his whole T-shirt collection <laughs> paid for in the last couple months, and it's all double zeros. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. T- t- tell uh, tell what you sent Travis his his special loser kid shirt. <laughs> yes, Ray, have you seen our shirt where it's kind of like the baseball shirt, and then it has our loser kid logo on the front? Yeah, so it has the hat that you know, this yeah. guy on there, and it's uh, the red and uh, red sleeves and black. So he got that and saw the logo and he's like, well, cool. Why are they sending this to me? He flipped it over. We got Muri on the back with the double zero. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah. you will forever be a the pinball epic tournament score. Yeah. <laughs> so. if, uh, I, I got a plug. I also have silver ball swag. If you want a coffee mug with my lovely face on it, it's uh it's pretty cool. Okay, you have some of the cool. <laughs> I, I love the, uh, I love the, your logo though. Cause it's in the, uh, the crash. It's Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie, that's what it is. Yeah. The, the font, yes. yeah, yeah, it works pretty well. I was pretty happy with that. That's like the only thing I've ever done in a uh, photo editing program ever, and I had to learn how to how to layer and resize text and stuff, and I did it just just for that. So, yeah, it it's pretty great. cool. <laughs> it's iconic too. If you want a Ray Day hat, that is where to get Ray Day pinball. Yeah, I yeah Travis Murray's kid has one. He yeah. says his teeth swear it makes him play better. Uh, it better. <laughs> he also has a Luke kid hat, too, and he had us sign it while we were at, yeah. X- there at TPF last year. That was pretty cool, too. And, so. and Ray, you, are you still streaming regularly or recording? 
I stream now and then. I will, uh, next time you'll catch me, I'll be streaming my Pin Clash finals May 13th, Saturday? Mm -hmm. Somewhere on there? Yeah, nice. Um, I mean, you'll probably be watching on IE Pinball, because that's where it's streamed. Mm -hmm. Shout out but, to Carl. Uh, I will technically be live on my channel <laughs> uh, doing that. Nice. Nice. So, well, cool. I guess, uh, and Ray has some of the best tutorials, by the way, if you really want to know, um, how to go, go deep dive play in his games, uh, look, look him up. Definitely. Well, that wraps us up, uh, wraps it up for us tonight. Thanks again for joining us. Raymond, it is always a pleasure having you on and, uh, to everyone else, I guess we'll see you in two weeks.